church good morning i love this time of year it's christmas time it's just awesome you can just feel just the difference in the air it's god is here it's christ has come and we're celebrating his birth and i, I love it i love it i love it and as we said last week christmas is just a time that engages all of our senses doesn't it i mean from the sense of sight as you're seeing christmas lights up my girls love to go look at christmas lights and you see the lights or you see the trees or you see the snowman you know you the sense of, you know, smell, and you start to smell just the cooking that's happening, or the peppermint, or the cinnamon, you know, the taste, the taste of Christmas cookies, the taste of pumpkin spice lattes, the taste of homemade Chex Mix, you know, it's just this time of year, the feel of wrapping paper, and bows, and, and trees, and you can just kind of feel Christmas. In our, in our series, it's called The Sounds of Christmas, and there are the sounds, right? You, you hear the bell being rung by the Salvation Army volunteers collecting for those in need, you, you hear the ho, ho, ho of jolly old St. Nick, right? You hear these sounds. You hear the sounds of carols. I love the carols. I love singing joy to the world. We don't get to sing that any other time of the year, it seems like. And there's just this time of year, there's something different. There's something special. It's just the sounds of Christmas. Last week, we looked at our first sound. It was this a sound of a cry. And that's not a sound you would expect, but 400 years of silence between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And after these 400 years, you would expect a trumpet sound. You know, you would expect a victory dance. You would expect a stallion to come through. But what do you hear? You hear a cry. That God has come. That in our hurt and our pain and our brokenness, God came near. Emmanuel, God with us. And today we're looking at this other sound of Christmas. It's the sound of laughter. Now, I love to laugh. I just do. And, and maybe in your family, you laugh a lot. You know, I, I hope that you have some of those stories. You have those stories in your family that you always tell. Every time you get together, you just kind of tell and you laugh and it's just funny. We have those stories. Uh, my niece, when she was four years old, she's a freshman in college now at Mississippi State. But when she was four, we had her big birthday party. It was in Birmingham. She is turning four. She wanted to go to Chuck E. Cheese. Big deal, right? And so I get in the car from Nashville. I drive the two and a half hours to get there. My family comes in. Everybody comes to Chuck E. Cheese for Becca's birthday. Four years old, she walks in and into the restaurant, right? And all of a sudden, Chuck E., who if you've never been to Chuck E. Cheese, way to go. But no, if you haven't been to Chuck E. Cheese, <laughs> I don't know how you pulled that off, but wow. But if you haven't been to Chuck E. Cheese, Chuck E. is a big rat, okay? So Chuck E., this giant rat, comes off the wall, you know, some teenage kid in a costume, right? He comes off the wall, and Becca looks up at four, and she starts to scream, and she runs out of the restaurant, and she's in the parking lot crying, and I'm there, and I'm like, party over, you know? So I get back in the car and drive two and a half hours back to Nashville, and I mean, and we just laugh about that all the time, and she still laughs about it. She still won't go to Chuck E. Cheese, but, you know, it's just so funny to her. And you have those stories, you have those stories with your family, with your friends. You just tell, as a church staff, we, we, we have a great time. Man, we are so blessed with an awesome staff team. I mean, just the most godly, creative, passionate people, just love Jesus. And so we get together for a staff Christmas party every year, and we do a gift exchange. And two years ago, we were together, and we were at this nice house, and we were doing this gift exchange, and somebody reached in to pull out their gift, and they reached inside, and they pulled out and somebody on our staff team had given them a live lobster. 
Okay, so they pull out, and they're like, ah! And this giant lobster little pincher's going. We just fell out. We were just laughing all over. We still talk about that. It was hilarious, you know? I just love laughter. I love that. There's a tickle monster. He shows up at our house. He may show up at your house. I don't know, but I'm never home when he shows up. I don't know why. But he looks a lot like me out here, and he comes through the door, and he tickles all of my girls. He runs out the door. They love it, and I love hearing them laugh. You know, there's just something about your, your kids and hearing them laugh or your grandkids. And, and all of my girls have distinct laughs, right? Kate, our six-year-old, has this deep belly laugh. She just laughs and laughs and laughs. And maybe he has this high-pitched laugh, and, and Grace has this more oh, proper laugh. And, you know, they just love it. It's just so cool. Don't you love laughter? I mean, you just love it. And at Christmas time, you know, with family and friends, or maybe you've got these old friends and you quote the same movies over and over, right? It's Christmas vacation. It makes you laugh. And you just laugh and laugh and laugh. There's something about laughter. There's just something about it in your soul and your spirit. You know, the ancient Greeks, they always separated the mind from emotions. And they believed, you know, it was just all about the mind and all the thought. But God created the emotions as well. God created joy to come out of our hearts and out of our lives and to be expressed, to be expressed. I was doing some research this week on uh, laughter and, and uh, just found some really amazing things. And there was a guy who's a scientist or kind of a neurologist uh, at the University of Maryland. His name is Robert Provine. And he said, laughter is a part of the universal human vocabulary. All members of the human species understand it. Unlike English or French or Swahili, we don't have to learn to speak it. We're born with the capacity to laugh. Isn't that cool? Think about that. I mean, that's this international language, right? People know that. They see a smile. They see a laughter. God created that in us. God wants us to have that. He goes on to say, the first laughter appears at about three and a half to four months of age. Long before we're able to speak, laughter like crying is a way for pre-verbal infant to interact with the mother and other caregivers. You remember the first time that your child or your grandchild or your niece or your nephew, you remember the first time they smiled at you? You just remember that feeling? You just remember, like, yes. You know, there was this connection there, right? And, and then they start to giggle and they just start giggling or they're laughing. You're holding them. You're like, ah, there's a connection. And here's why. He says this, contrary to popular wisdom, most laughter is not about humor. It's about relationships between people. It's about relationships between people. A French neurologist named Duchenne, uh, he did a lot of research using electrodes on people's faces to study smiles and to study laughter. And, and here's what he concluded after all these experiments. And, and here's what he, he found out. He said, laughter is only put in play by the sweet emotion of the soul. Laughter is only put in play by the sweet emotion of the soul. That something comes out of you. That joy is released. That laughter comes alive. Wow, it's a gift from God. And last week as we saw this cry at Christmas and that God meets us in our hurt and our pain, God meets us in our brokenness and our repentance when we turn and we come back to God and we find his grace and his mercy and his love. So God meets us in our laughter. God meets us in our joy. As Christ has come alive and we ought to be the most joyful people ever because of what God has done for us through his son, Jesus Christ. If you have a Bible with you, I invite you to open back with me to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 1, Matthew chapter 1, and we're going to be in verse 
18 today. Uh, Matthew, first book, New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four Gospels record, you know, Jesus' life and all the miracles and all the things that God has done for us. And, and then we see Matthew and Luke are the two that record Jesus' birth. And so what happened on that birth narrative? And last week we kind of went through 1 through 17, which is all the begats, right? You know, Abraham was the father to Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, father of, father of, father of. But what we saw was that God has been writing his story. The Old Testament was preparing us for the coming of the Messiah. The Old Testament was looking forward to Jesus Christ, Christ the Messiah. Now we look back that Jesus came and split history in two, B.C. and A.D. This is the defining point of all of history. And so in verse 18, it says this. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Now, a couple things that are so important right here is you see the divinity of Christ, right? That, that Mary is pregnant, but, but it's not the seed of man. If you go back to verse 16, and Jacob, the father of Joseph and husband of Mary, <laughs> It doesn't say that Joseph is the father of Jesus. So there's, there's not the seed, the original sin that's passed on from generation to generation. But you also see that he was born of a woman. That Jesus, the full humanity of Christ. So the divinity of Christ, the humanity of Christ. We see that at the incarnation. And that is important because we know that we have a God who is strong enough to conquer death. We know we have a God who, who can pay the price for our sins. But we also know that we have a Savior who can identify in our hurt and our pain and our brokenness. He knows the temptations that we face. He knows the struggles that we go through. J.I. Packer in his uh, book called Knowing God. If you're looking for a book to read over the holidays, incredible book, by the way, I'll just recommend it. Knowing God, he says this, here are the two mysteries, the doctrine of the Trinity and the doctrine of the incarnation. Hey, we have two for the price of one, he says. The plurality of persons within the unity of God and the union of Godhead and manhood in the person of Jesus Nothing in fiction is so fantastic as is the truth of the incarnation. The incarnation changes everything. You don't just have a God up there who, who sets the world in motion and backs away and says, hey, good luck, figure it out. You have a God who steps in, a God who comes to us, a God who meets us, and a God who loves us. And that ought to well up inside of us this joy. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Oh, may we never lose that sense of wonder and that sense of joy, especially at Christmas. Now, there's two different kinds of laughter. Number one is this. There's, there's inappropriate laughter. And, and, and most of us know this. There's times, you know, when people are engaging in a conversation and, and we're kind of like, ah, I shouldn't laugh at that. Why? Because I'm giving approval to that. I'm stepping into that. Uh, I remember growing up playing sports and a lot of times the joke's in the locker room, and I look back and I'm like, oh, you know, and whether it was demeaning or whether it was putting somebody down or, you know, laughing at somebody else's expense. We know. I mean, there's just something inside of us because of Christ. We're like, ah, I don't want to participate in that. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 4 says, nor should there be any obscenity, foolish talk, you know, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. Now, does that mean you don't have any fun? No, you have a lot of fun. You ought to have fun. Christians ought to have the most fun. But we know sometimes that there's inappropriate Laughter. But there's also inappropriate laughter in this way. We don't think about it a lot. Laughing at God. And we don't think about, you know, well, I'm going to laugh at God. You know, I'm not going to do that. I would never, never do that. But this, this is powerful. Go back and look. Verse 1 of Matthew chapter 1. It says, A record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. 
And then he goes through and lists all these names. But the two big names, they're at the very top of the list, right? Son of David. And we saw last week how David, this king in the Old Testament, this guy who, who loved the Lord, and yet he blew it. I mean, he made a huge mistake. I mean, he committed adultery with Bathsheba. He, he, he tried to cover it up by having her husband murdered. And when God came to him, he had a decision to make. Do I go on and live it out and just live in my sin and do whatever I want to do and just say, God, I don't need you? Or do I turn back to God? And he repented. Now, there were still consequences for his sin. But in his repentance, he found God and he found life. And even at the end of his life, he was known as a man after God's heart. And that gives us such encouragement. Because whatever we've done, listen, in the past, you don't have to let the past define you. The past is the past, but you go forward in Christ. You can be redeemed. You can be restored. You have a new life in Christ. But there's the other person mentioned, the son of Abraham. The son of Abraham. Now go back to Genesis chapter, Genesis chapter 17. Genesis, the first book in the Old Testament. So we're in Matthew, first book of the New Testament. If you go back to Genesis chapter 17, first book in the Old Testament. Abraham is this guy that God called out of the early Chaldeans. Genesis chapter 12 Abraham, you know, he's kind of got this good life going, and God says, Abraham, come on, I'm inviting you on a journey, and I'm going to carve out a people for myself, and I'm going to use you, Abraham, in a mighty way. And so in chapter 17, there's this incredible time that God meets with Abraham. And it says in verse 15, God also said to Abraham, can you imagine, he's having this conversation with Abraham, Abraham and God, this connection, as for Sarah, your wife. You are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. Abraham fell face down and you're thinking, man, he's worshiping. He's like, yeah, God, this is awesome. But what does it say? He laughed. He laughed. And he said to himself, Will a son be born to a man 100 years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? <laughs> He's like, God, no way. No way, you can't do that. In chapter 18, God comes back to Abraham, and he says in verse 9, Where's your wife, Sarah? They asked him. They're in the tent, he said. Then the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son now Sarah was listening at the entrance of the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already old and well advanced in years. And Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed. She laughed to herself. And she thought, am I worn out? After I am worn out and my master is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, well, I really have a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Think about that. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is there something in your life that you've just gone, God, you can't do it. There's no way. There's no way, God. You can't do that. Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she lied. How often do we lie when we're afraid? And she said, I did not laugh, but he said, I'm God, right? <laughs> yes, you did laugh. Yes, you did. Abraham and Sarah, they laughed at God. But they go on to have a son named Isaac, and Isaac's name literally means laughter. 
laughter. So can you imagine when God comes to Mary? And in verse 18, he says, Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. In Luke chapter 1, we know that the angel comes to Mary and says, Mary, blessed are you among women. You are highly favored. You're going to have the Messiah. And Mary's like, right. (laughs) I'm a virgin. I'm young. You can't use me. No way. And what does the angel say? For nothing is impossible with God. For nothing is impossible with God with God. Maybe you're here today, maybe there's an area of your life and you just go, (laughs) God's been speaking to you over and over again about, maybe it's being baptized. You're like, no way, God. (laughs) No way. Not me. You know, maybe it's about going on a mission trip. No way. I would never do that. I mean, no way. Maybe it's about leading a small group. No, God, come on. Maybe, maybe it's about healing in your marriage. Or maybe it's about redeeming or restoring a child. Maybe it's about redemption in your own life. And every time God starts to speak to you, you feel, you sense the Holy Spirit with you. It's like, (laughs) you kind of laugh it off and you go on with your life and God's going, no, 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 no. Nothing is impossible with me. Nothing is impossible with me. Never give up on God because, listen, God will never give up on you. And God wants to do something incredible in your life. And Christmas shows us that. Here's the second thing. There's inappropriate laughter, but there's also appropriate laughter. There's also appropriate knowing that our God is a God of joy. You remember when the birth announcement comes in Luke chapter 2, and God announces the birth of his son? You know, a lot of times we do birth announcements. We put a little foot on a you know, piece of paper, and we send it to our friends. and say, look, look, you know. But here's what God chooses to do. It says, and there were shepherds living out in their fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Well, you can imagine. I mean, these shepherds are out at night. I mean, it's dark, and they're shepherds, right? And all of a sudden, the glory of the Lord shines around them, and these angels appear. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great what? Joy. I bring you good news of great joy. That will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. Look at those two words. To you. To you. Personal. Christmas is personal. Christmas is God coming to you. A Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. God's saying, I want there to be joy. I want there to be joy. Jesus said in John 10, 10, right? He said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You've got an enemy who, who wants to ruin your life. You've got an enemy that we know we're in a spiritual battle. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. Jesus said, I want you to enjoy life. I want you to experience life as it was meant to be lived. So do you have joy in your life? Is there laughter in your life? I think this time of year is a challenge for us, right? Because I think we have an enemy who, who, wants to, who wants to steal our joy, who wants to rob our laughter. And how does he do that? A couple of ways. Number one is this. I think busyness. You know, we add to our already overscheduled, overcrowded lives, all these other things that go on with Christmas, and, and we try to buy a present for everybody we know, you know, write a card to everybody we know. We're shopping for all these things. We're trying to bake cookies. We're trying to do all this stuff. And, and a lot of times what can happen is we get so busy 
right? We get so busy that we miss it. And we're so busy doing things that we miss the relationships. And you remember the laughter is the sweet emotion of the soul. It comes out in relationships. It comes out when relationships are happening. I think secondly is unrealistic expectations. You know, you know this time of year, there's so many unrealistic expectations. We, we think everything's going to be perfect, right? We, we think there's not going to be any mess-ups. Everything's going to be fine. Everybody's going to love the gift that we give them. You know, it's just going to be perfect. And when things don't go exactly right, ah, it just weighs us down. It weighs us down. I think a third thing is, is envy. Envy. You see, comparison so often leads to depression in our life. Comparison leads to depression. Now, I love social media. You know, it, it's great to keep up with people and everything else. But a lot of times, Pinterest can wreck us, right? <laughs> because we feel like, man, we've got to have the perfect Pinterest Christmas. Everything's got to be in the right plot and the right place. It's got to be great. And we're comparing ourselves to everybody else. And we're looking and we're going, well, their Christmas is perfect. Well, that's because people only post the good things, right? You know, people are only going to post the things that work. They're not going to post the, a project failed, that didn't work, you know. I'm going to post that. They post all the good things, and a lot of times the envy comes into our lives. Wow. Do people really get a brand new Lexus with a bow on it? I mean, you know, really? Wow. I mean, maybe I need that, you know. I mean, please don't do that, you know. At least talk to your spouse. Come on. You know, I was like, oh, man. Uh, but, you know, we get this envy in us, don't we? We just wells up inside of us. Number four, I think, is worry. Worry. As I was studying and preparing, I, I saw some different statistics. Some people say 38%, other people say 60% of stress, additional stress comes during the holidays. Just this additional stress and this worry. And it's like everything is magnified. All of our emotions are magnified. When things are hard, they're really hard. When things are good, they're really good. But it's amplified during this time. And Jesus said, who by worrying can add a single hour to your life, you know? You can spend your life all the time worrying, 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 and just watch it lead you down a dark path. Or you can rest in the assurance that God is sovereign and God is good. And, and the fifth, I think, is this, is that we just miss seeing Jesus. <laughs> we miss seeing Jesus. It's his birthday we celebrate, right? It's Christmas. But so often we miss him. So what's the antidote? And what, how do we diffuse that? How do we have joy? How do we have laughter? I think prayer. You know, you're like, well, of course you're going to say that. You're a pastor, right? But, but it's so true. It's so true. And a lot of times we're so busy doing everything else, we forget to pray. We forget to carve out time. We forget to schedule time to pray. But when we do, when we do, it resets us. It opens our eyes to Jesus. It opens our eyes to what's important. And we have this upward relationship to know that God is with us. It also allows us time to search our hearts, you know. Am I consumed with envy? Am I consumed with worry? Am I consumed with the things of the world versus being consumed with the things of God? And it also allows us time to pray for others. To look at what's really going on around us. I, I think another antidote is this. It's giving. It's generosity. There's a psychiatrist, Dr. Carl Mettenberger. And Dr. Mettenberger... When asked one time, he's a famous psychiatrist, and, and somebody asked him, they said, what, what should a person do if they feel like they're getting ready to have a nervous breakdown? And everybody thought, you know, he's going to say, consult a psychiatrist. That's going to be his response. But you know what he said? He said, lock up your house, go across to the other side of the railroad tracks, and do something to help somebody else. He said, that's what you do. You give. You serve. 
you, you realize it's not just about me, you know? And I think if you're a parent or you're a grandparent, you're an aunt or an uncle, this is the time of year that, that we have to help our kids not just say it's about getting, but it's about giving. This is the time of year we have to figure out some way, somehow to say, hey, it's not just about making a list for you and all the stuff that you want. Hey, somehow you've got to figure out how you're going to give back. You've got to figure out how to press in to being a giver. Because that's what Christmas is about, right? For God so loved the world, he gave. And that we help our kids. I think the third way you do this just to experience the joy is you focus on Jesus. You lift up Jesus. You know, in America today, in American homes, I mean, a lot of times people get more consumed with the elf than they do with Jesus, right? And where's the elf going to be? What's going to happen there? And if you have an elf, that's fine. But, but make sure, make sure, make sure that you're lifting up Jesus. That in your home, there's an advent calendar. Or there's a nativity scene. Or there's a time that you're talking with your kids and you're reading through the Christmas story. Maybe, maybe for you, it's taking time to, to do Christmas ornaments together as a family or with friends and, and taking a picture and then on the back say 2015 and here are the spiritual highlights that God did this year. And we're going to talk about that. Then we're going to pack it away with the tree. And next year when we pull it out, we're going to look back and go, yay, God. You know, we're going to put it up and say, yes. That is how joy starts to be released in our life. That's how laughter starts to come in us for God's name, and for God's glory. And we get caught up so often this time of year focused on our circumstances, focused on those things. Frederick Beatner said this, the world is full of suffering indeed, and to turn our backs on it is to work a terrible unkindness, maybe more on ourselves than on the world. But life indeed is also to be enjoyed. I suggest that may even be the point of it. I more than suspect that is why all the sons of God and daughters shouted for joy when he first brought it into being. <laughs> Way to go, God. Thank you for Christmas. Instead of going, oh, it's going to weigh me down. This is going to be tough. This is going to be a difficult season. Hey, God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Proverbs 17, 22 says, A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. A cheerful heart is good medicine. Isn't that true? One of my uh, heroes growing up was a, a, a guy named Jimmy Valvano. And I don't know if you've heard about this guy, but uh, he was a basketball coach at NC State. And they won the national championship. And I remember being a little kid watching this basketball game as, as NC State beat Houston Cougars, who were known as Five Slamma Jam. I mean, like, it was like the biggest upset in history. And Jimmy Valvano, this young coach, he's running around, he's looking for somebody to hug, and, you know, and he's just all over the court. And this kind of image in my mind, he was a guy just passionate, enthusiastic. And at kind of a young age, he was diagnosed with cancer. He was given an award called the ESPYs, and he stood up to give a speech at the ESPYs. His body full of cancer, and, and he's given this speech, and all of a sudden the monitor starts to flash at him 30 seconds, 30 seconds, and he goes, some guy in the back's flashing 30 seconds at me. My body's eating up with cancer like I care about 30 seconds, you know. <laughs> Here's where I am, you know. And, and then he said this right after that, and I thought it was so powerful. He said, I've got one last thing. I urge all of you, all of you, to enjoy your life. To enjoy your life. The precious moment you have. And church, if I could say that, just to emphasize that, we don't get Christmas 2015 back. We get one shot. We get one opportunity. This is it. He, he says, hey, this is the precious moment you have to spend each day with some laughter. To spend each day with some laughter and some thought. 
to get your emotions going, to be enthusiastic every day. As Ralph Waldo Emerson said, nothing great is ever accomplished without enthusiasm. To keep your dreams alive in spite of the problems you have. The ability to work hard for your dreams to come true, to become a reality. You know that word enthusiasm? Think about the Greek of that word. In theos, in God. In God. That's where it comes from. And here's this guy who's even fighting cancer, but he realized, hey, I can focus on my problems, I can focus on challenges. But you know what? The Jimmy V Foundation has raised millions of dollars for cancer research. He's probably done more in his life since he's gone home to be with the Lord than he has even when he was here. And there's something that happens in our lives as we just lift our heads and start to focus on the Christ of Christmas. The shepherds, man. You got to imagine when they went and saw Jesus, they came back, they're high-fiving. God chose us. We got to be there at the first Christmas. And for us, that we'd be people who wouldn't miss it. When the exiles came back from Babylon in Psalm 126, this became a song of ascent. This would be a song that Jesus would have sung going to worship at the temple. And Psalm 126 just says, When the Lord brought back the captives to Zion, we were like men who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter. Our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. And we are filled with joy. Isn't that awesome? When you start to think about all the things that God's done for you, what should erupt in you is joy. Joy. Don't you know there's times that Mary and Joseph just looked at each other and go, can you believe it? God chose us. God chose us. I don't understand why. I don't know. But God chose us. And in your life this Christmas, I hope and pray that you hear the sound of laughter. I hope you hear the sound of laughter with friends, with family, with loved ones. But I hope you also hear the sound of a God who says, you mean so much to me that I'm going to send my son. And the time is just in your soul and your spirit going, God chose me. I mean, really? In my hurt, in my pain, my brokenness, in my imperfections, and all my mistakes, God chose me. Thank you, God. And God, I'm yours. And I want to live my life for you. I want to ask you to bow your head. Close your eyes just for a second. Right where you are. Do you have joy in your life? Do you have joy in your life? This Christmas... How are you going to lift up Jesus in your home, in your family, with your roommates, but even in your own heart? How are you going to focus on Christ? Maybe today there's an area of your life where you just kind of laughed at God. Maybe there's an area where you've just said, God, there's no way you can heal my marriage. God, there's no way that you could provide. God, there's no way that you can use me to be a husband, father. Maybe today God's just saying, oh, I love you. I care about you. You are mine. 
You are my son. You are my daughter. And nothing is impossible with me. And I want you to have joy. In the midst of the journey, I want you to have joy. God knows what's going on in our lives. God knows the problems we're facing, the struggles, the battles. But God also knows that he is greater. He is greater. Is he enough for you today? Father, thank you for Christmas. <laughs> thank you, God, that you loved us so much that you sent your son. Thank you that you're a God of joy, a God who deserves to be worshipped and magnified and lifted high. And Father, I pray today that you would fill us with an inexpressible and glorious joy, as the Apostle Paul says. That you would well up inside of us, Father, just laughter. <laughs> that our mouths would be filled with laughter because of what you have done for us. The Lord has done great things. The Lord has done great things for me. So this Christmas, God, help us not to miss it. But to be people of joy. To be people of laughter. And to be people who bring glory to you, our great God. In whose name we pray. Amen. Amen.